Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Book and Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Steve Barber. And joining me as my absolutely fantastic, wonderful, fantabulous co-host is Dwaylon Davis. Hey, everybody. How you doing? And also joining us this week as a special treat, and we will actually tell the story about why, is mine and Dwaylon's one of our closest friends from high school, a man named Alan Thomas. Say hi, Alan. Hello, everybody. Good to be here. Thank you. And normally we kind of have a rule about who we have as guests on the show that they have to be affiliated with the wrestling business in some way. We're going to make a very special exception in this case because of what our show is about. And we're going to be doing a watch along of the match from survivor series, 1991 between the undertaker and Hulk Hogan. The reason why this is such a special event for Alan is because he and I actually watched that live 30 years ago. And so now we're inviting him back and we're going to rewatch it. And Dwaylon should have been with us the first time. However, Dwaylon was smarter than us, and he was already actually in college. And so he actually was not able to make it back in time to watch it with us. Uh, I wouldn't say smarter, because I kind of ended up messing that up. So. <laughs> okay, Dwaylon had, at the time... <laughs> <laughs> At the time, Joylan had more aspirations than and than okay. Alan and myself. Yeah, that, yeah that's the, that'd be more factual because I kind of took advantage of that not being not being at home near my mom and kind of lost my mind for a bit. So yeah, can I uh, imagine? Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure if your mom would have been up there, um, we would have seen Joylan, you know, with like a couple of black eyes and some bruises and oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, she she does not she does not play to this day. She no, nah. she would have messed me up. So yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure Terrence is still afraid of her. Yes, yes, yeah. And so we're going to be able to relive this. And for Alan, I mean, I'm pretty sure Alan, have you actually watched the match since then? Uh, no, I don't think so. And so this will be this will be like uh, watching it all over again yeah, for the first it, time. This will be like a reaction video. And Dwaylon, how many times do you think you've watched it? Uh, I don't know, at least a dozen over the years. Oh, absolutely. And I actually used to have it on VHS. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so yeah, I've seen it quite a few times. And, uh, and Alan, because I know you haven't really kept up with wrestling as much. And, you know, just because, um, you know, Joel and I, you know, we've become kind of the super fans. And now, of course, we're, we're kind of somewhat really involved in a way with the business and obviously not as wrestlers because you know we're old and crippled and that wouldn't go over very well yeah yeah right all that. <laughs> yeah but i mean we've actually became friends with some of the wrestlers you know myself with the ones uh, around this area in fact Dwayne, he's also become friends with the ones in this area yep. Yep. and you know of course then we have Dwayne's friends down there who now i've become friends with and yes and there's a couple out ones in illinois the other ones in uh, kansas who the one in Kansas actually kind of knows uh, Big Fat, you know, Chris Ahonan. He kind of yes. knows him through Chris's thing. And so now we became friends with him. And through him, we met the guy in Illinois. And so, yeah, it's this big chain and it just keeps growing and growing. It's actually pretty cool. Yes. Just yeah. uh, kind of the definition of networking a little bit there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, and I'd been talking about doing this one, this particular episode for a while. I think ever since, well, I think ever since you came on as co-host. I yeah, I was going to say, ever since I, you know, I came on as co-host, we've been talking about doing this. 
Yep. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was a couple of months ago that you texted me about you know you and I texted a little bit about doing this. Yeah, and you know every once in a while I send a reminder. Hey, remember, hey, November twenty second, <laughs> and you know so now, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. And you've heard me actually talk about Alan before on the show, and you've heard myself and Joelle talk about Alan. So Alan's finally able to join us. And Alan, you need to start keeping up with more wrestling, so that way you can you can join us on more shows and give your opinions on some things and. You would find it is a very interesting world. And yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. And this particular match um that we're gonna be watching was part of the Survivor series in nineteen ninety one and it took place on November twenty seventh of that year. And it was on a Wednesday. It was actually the day before Thanksgiving. And you know, as part of the Survivor Series, this was actually the first time they ever had a singles match on any of the Survivor Series pay per views. And that may have been partially because, yeah, Undertaker Hogan, this was going to be a good match, and they were going to use it to kickstart some other uh, some other stories that were going to be going on. Uh, but also the Survivor Series, just as a bunch of elimination matches, to be honest with you, was getting kind of stale. Yeah. And they really blew it the year before when they had the gobbledygooker. Yeah, Alan, we'll have to, you know, you may have to Google what the gobbledygooker was. Yeah. That, uh, right. Yeah. That was terrible. Um, yeah. Uh, but ironically enough, that uh, the year before the Survivor Series, that was actually the Undertaker's debut. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so here, you know, fast forward a year later, and now the Undertaker is in a world title match against Hulk Hogan. But how that came to be, and this is really, it's yeah, it's a story about Undertaker and Hogan, but a lot of it's actually involving Ric Flair, because Rick Ric Flair was in WCW slash NWA, whatever you want to call it. He was there. He was a world champion. And they were wanting to renegotiate his contract. And they were wanting to give him lower money. And the new uh, chief executive of, of the company was wanting to shave Ric Flair's head, pop an earring in his ear, and rename him Spartacus. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you notice... That went over like a lead balloon, I guess. Oh, huh? uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so Ric Flair refused, and the guy said, basically, okay, fine, we're not, you know, you're going to be fired. And Ric Flair said, well, he said, if I'm fired, you know, give me the money back for the belt. See, the NWA World Champion, this is some of the stuff that you don't see on, on regular wrestling television. And this is some stuff that Jordan and I learned, you know, as adults, yeah. that the World Champion at the time, I don't, I doubt they still do it now, but at the time, if, if they said, okay, we're going to put the world championship belt on you. Well, you're going to give us $25,000 as kind of collateral in a way. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and they were going to keep that until, you know, cause that way that was going to make sure you didn't take off with the belt somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, you're not going to just leave $25,000 and, you know, as soon as able plus whenever, uh, it was time for you to switch the boat to somebody else. They would give you the $25,000 back along with any interest that accrued, mm. you know? So, so Flair said, all right, give my money. And Jim heard the executive said, no. And Flair said, no, that's my money. And Jim Hurd said, I don't care. And Flair said deuces and was out. And he, he put the belt in a box the next day and shifted up to Connecticut to the WWF at the time headquarters. And yeah, and so that's when he 
negotiated with Vince McMahon and he sh- started showing up on well the belt showed up first because of course Flair had sent it up there. Yeah, and, Heenan had it. Yeah. Yep, Bobby Heenan had the belt and he was showing it. And uh Joylan, what was your reaction when you started seeing the belt that we knew what the belt was? Oh, I was marking out because I was just like, no way. When I first saw it, I was like, that cannot be Ric Flair's belt. Because that's, even now, I see the big gold belt and I'm like, that's Ric Flair's belt. Yeah, that's Ric Flair's belt. So I saw it and I was like, what is going on? And then when he first showed up on TV, I was like, because at the time you didn't see wrestlers jumping from, you know, that high profile of a wrestler jumping from one major company to another. Not like you do today. It's commonplace. But back then, when Flair showed up on TV, me and Terrence were just like, oh, my God. Yeah. We're finally going to get Flair versus Hogan. And so well, did uh, – Go ahead, Alan. Sorry. So did, did, w, did WWF at the time, did they do something to kind of write that belt, the physical belt in as like a new belt or something? Um, no. What they ended up doing was uh, WCW filed a lawsuit because Flair was showing the belt on TV. So mm. then WWF's way of getting around it was that they digitized the belt whenever Flair would have it. And at a house show, Flair would have a like a replica of the world tag titles is what he would carry with him. He didn't even carry the big gold belt at house shows um, uh. because they didn't want people taking pictures because the lawsuit was in place. Mm. So that was on TV. They just digitized the belt, but it's like everybody knew what it was by then. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yep. And uh, Flair went into the company in September and in early November, and I don't, uh, yeah, Joel, I have no idea why it took them this long to do this, but in early November, Hogan went on, they're kind of a version they used to have these kind of a talk show Well, they still kind of do, I guess with Ms. TV when they have it, but this particular one was called the funeral parlor and it had, you know, of course, undertaker. It was really, it was his manager, Paul bearer, who was really the host of it. And it, you, they'd go on to say it looked like an old dark horror movie funeral parlor because it had a, a casket sitting there that had another like wooden one from the old West. It said like rest in peace or whatever on it. And, Looked like something out of Vincent Price movie. Yeah, boom. There you go, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so as their guest, they had Hogan. And they already had the match planned for the Survivor Series that year. But as Hogan was out there talking, that's when Flair comes out. And that's their first confrontation that they had. And, you know, I still remember he's saying, uh, don't be ashamed of those butterflies that are in your stomach right now. Yeah, yeah. And I think he was actually talking to me and Dwaylon when he said that. <laughs> um, but, you know, they had the, the, the first confrontation and, and Flair saying, you know how long I've had to hear the name of Hulk Hogan? And he said, but you know who the real world champion is. And, and so in a way, they were kind of acknowledging there were other companies because Vince McMahon was notorious for not recognizing anybody else but his company. Yeah. But this one, in a way, they kind of did without actually saying what the name of the other companies were. Yeah. And... Of course, while they're out there uh, jawing, Undertaker all of a sudden comes out of the casket, you know, opens it up, and <laughs> he walks out, and he and he bops Hogan in the back of the head with the urn, and they start kicking and stomping him. And Roddy Piper and Randy Savage were on commentary, uh, which is a – don't ever do that. 
but no, no, they, no. they were neither one of them was, were yeah neither one were really that good on commentary. Great rest, great talkers, but not yeah. good on commentary. It was kind of odd. Mm -hmm. But they ran over to save Hogan, which when I watched this video replay early, Dwayne, I always thought that was kind of strange. It was Piper and Savage were the ones saving Hogan. Yeah, yeah, the two I, people he had the most beef with in ref in wrestling, and those were the two guys that came over to to help him out. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so that set up the Survivor Series match, and they were really... Excuse me. Um, oh, yeah, you're fine. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be coughing, too, and my wife will probably yell at me if, if you know, for eating or something. <laughs> but um, uh, they were really starting to push Flair more, which they should have been pushing it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but he was in the very first match of this evening in one of the Survivor Series matches, and he ended up being the sole survivor because everybody else got counted out. Yep, yep. Yeah, you know, the ref was counting, and you could see Flair like, oh, I'm just going to roll back in here real quick. <laughs> you know, so in the meantime, uh, they were finally going to have um, the match between Hogan and The Undertaker, which I'm going to share my screen right now. And unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, this is actually something that we discovered yesterday as we were wanted to finalize making sure everything was good the connections were good and i could get on the peacock network i could get on the peacock network just fine and the the screen sharing was just fine uh, up until i hit go on one of the actual uh videos when i tried to watch this one all of a sudden the screen blacked out didn't you say it alan yes yep yep so that's exactly right yeah yeah so apparently peacock network either they've really put it on lockdown or you may have to have uh, a, a next level account because I know some of the other podcasts, they do screen shares and they talk about watching uh, the, the, watching the Peacock network all the time. And because they even tell what episode it is. So I may have to contact one of those podcasts and just ask them, okay, what, you know, let them know what happened and yeah. say, Hey, what am I doing wrong? Because we were able to do screen. We were able to do watch alongs before, you know, Joel mm -hmm. and I were, and now all of a sudden we can't. But I was able to find the match on YouTube, and it's on the WWE's YouTube channel, so it's all on the up and up. And um, right now, you know, so you've now you've heard all the backstory, Alan. So now I'm gonna go ahead and once once the video plays, I'm gonna let the sound go for a little bit. But eventually, I mean, I will, especially once the action starts, because um, you know, we you know we're gonna get your reactions. And Dwayne and I, you'll hear us making commentary as well. And you obviously, you know, you make your own commentary along with us. And so, but the match is about 20, this, yeah, the video is about 20 minutes long. And uh, so, yeah, this is, this is actually a pretty good match, I think. And actually one of my favorite ones because, you know, we know the ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm about to hit play now. And this is one of the rare times when The Undertaker is the first one coming to the ring. Yeah. Electricity is in 
Love Bobby Heenan. Yeah. He was a... Hey, Alan, Paul Bearer. Uh, I don't know if you remember him or not. Um, he was actually an Air Force veteran. Oh, yeah, I think I'd heard that. Yep. And I want to say he was his whole career he was stationed at Keesler. Oh, really? Okay, yep. now I gotta look, I'll have to check that out. Yep. Yeah, he's a personnelist. So it's kind of crazy looking back on this and seeing how young the Undertaker looks compared to, to now. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. only 23 or 24, I think, Waylon. I think so. Yeah. And y'all know the music. You know, as soon as you hear the music, you know you, the hair is going to stand up in your arms. My brother's favorite wrestler back in the day. How about now? Uh, no, not so much. <laughs> yeah, probably not. See, and I always thought that was rude right there. He took that dude's sign and just walked off with it. Yeah, and it's I'm, like, did the guy have a sign back? I know, I've always wondered, did the guy ever get his sign back? Um, because he just took off with it and he made some kid cry because of it. Now he's breaking the Undertaker's personal property. <laughs> The kid who lost his sign might be like some of the athletes, right? They get some, they get some special compensation in order to get Probably. it back or something. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put it on mute now. So, all right. But yeah, because man, when that music would hit, you know, everybody in the whole arena was just—you know who it was. I mean, that was always yeah. bring. A, a huge pop. And even if you didn't like Hogan, and I was one of the people that didn't, it still, you still knew, you still knew what was about to happen as soon as that music hit. Yeah, you throw your bandana at the Undertaker. You see, you just stands there, Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because uh, WCW had told him that, had told the Undertaker when he was there that uh, nobody would ever pay to see him wrestle. That he would never be a a big star in wrestling, and now he's like the greatest character there's ever been. Yeah, they yeah they WCW really missed on that one then. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, they missed that on him. Um, let's see, they had Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Yep. And uh, yes, they weren't using them as well, and they went to WWF and got huge, and then went back, and of course became the NWO. Yeah. Um, also, another thing, uh, WCW could have signed Brock Lesnar, but didn't. Could have signed um, The Rock, but didn't. Mm. Oh, wow. They missed out on The Rock. Holy cow. Yeah. 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 Sorry, that's it is YouTube, and I don't have ad-free YouTube. Yeah, we may have commercials in there occasionally. That's all right. A couple of big fellas, though, in there, huh? Yeah. A little That's bit. And the scary thing is, Hogan's the smaller one. Yes. I remember, you know, in the beginning of this, you know, Hogan come in and tore his shirt like he normally does. Mm -hmm. I remember at times if I was if I was watching on a Saturday and my dad happened to be home or something, right? So this this was well before that. Something like that would be well before this match. But uh, my dad would kind of poke fun a little bit and be like, hey, I could probably rip the 
I could probably tear apart a rip torn uh, t-shirt too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's already cut up, it shouldn't be that hard to tear. And you see that right there when Undertaker when they did the shoulder block and Hogan was the one who actually went down, that was also a rarity. Yeah. yeah yes. so I mean, Hogan rarely left his feet back then. Yeah, that yeah, that was just something. You, you're right. That was just something you never. Uh, I remember that you know that time of wrestling and stuff. And yeah, you just never saw Hulk Hogan get taken off his feet hardly ever. Not you know not not by the opponent you know. Yeah. He would do his uh, leg drop or something like that you know to get somebody, but it, he rarely got taken off his feet by the opponent. Yeah. And that was one of Undertaker, one of his favorite moves that he would do right there. That strike, he would come up. It was almost like a, I want to say a jujitsu strike, but I mean, I'm, I'm I'm probably you know full of crap and don't know what I'm talking about. But the way he would do that, you remember that Dwayne? He would have his fingertips and he would just bam. Oh yeah, that palm thrust kind of yep. yeah. Yeah, there he just did yeah. it again. Yep. It kind of looks like it just gets right up under that soft spot under your chin. Mm -hmm. yeah. There we go. I don't know. Yeah, there's Paul Bear again. Paul Bear or the Undertaker? <laughs> oh, Paul Bear played that played that very well. Yes, he did. And hey, Alan, he, here's some trivia for you. I know Dwayland already knew this, but Paul Bearer, he was actually, um, William Moody's his real name. He was actually a licensed mortician. Oh, I think I'd heard that somewhere. Yep. You, you may have told me that during a, during a conversation at some point, you know. Yep. But yeah, I, I seem to remember hearing that. There's that elbow. He never hit that elbow. No, yep. he'd, always, he'd always miss and then sit right back up. But it's like. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I saw him hit it once, and I don't remember who it was, but oh, oh, here's here's, yeah. See the way Hogan just trying to pick him up there for the slam. You see how he had his arm up under Undertaker's arm instead of over yes. it. Yeah. And so it kind of yep. gave him that room. Um, and some of this stuff, um, I mean, you could tell it. It you could tell then. Obviously, it was not on the up and up, but. Oh, Dwayne, I think they're about to do one of my favorite, favorite moves ever. And this is like the prime example of the Undertaker doing it, I think. Of course, I may be wrong. Okay, it has, that's not going to happen yet. Um, and this was another one of those matches that kind of highlighted Hogan to be, you know, the quintessential good guy. Um, he did a lot of, like, rule-breaking moves. Oh yeah, like he raked the eyes oh, yeah. a few minutes ago, and a lot of a lot of closed fists, which I know they that wasn't there. They were against that back then. Yeah, no, and we were just talking about Hogan not getting taken off his feet very often. Right there, where this, where we just were, yeah. you know, Hogan flipped uh, Undertaker over the top rope. That didn't that didn't happen too much either. Nah, and when the Undertaker did it, he he would actually say basically, you know, flip him, and he would land on his feet. He was always good about that. It was rare that he didn't land on his feet on the outside, but that was just another way of them pushing how just kind of like the unstoppable monster he was. Yes. 
Well, I think that's the thing that sometimes gets gets lost is you know these are these are big men, not just tall, but they're muscular and that kind of thing, and yet the the athletic moves they're able to pull off are just it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Especially the Undertaker, Undertaker, he's like, you know, he's like six ten and a half, like legit, three hundred plus, and he, the way he was able to move around. Yes. Hey, Alan, I just sent you a uh, text. By the way. Oh, there's Paul Bear again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to have to go ahead and pause this for a commercial real quick, and we will be right back. All right, and now we're back. And I don't know if anybody's been able to follow along with us, but if you're on the video itself, we're at the 927 mark. And you just go to YouTube, and you can just type in Undertaker Hogan Survivor Series 91. You, you should be able to find this one. I should have mentioned that earlier. But we're at the 927 mark, and I'm about to hit play again. So three, two, one, and play. All right, so now we see Undertaker has Hogan on, kind of on the middle rope, and he's got that. It, it's supposed to somehow choke him, but I never really saw the rope hitting their neck as much. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was always like on their like collarbone and their, their chest. not It was hardly ever on their throat, actually. Yeah, yeah like, kind of up, kind of up under their arm too. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how are you going to choke somebody when you got the thing wrapped around their knees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then yeah, you got the one one guy in the audience there. He's uh, obviously he's a big Hogan mark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and there, this move here, Dwayne and I only saw Undertaker do this in two matches. This one, and their their rematch. And this this face like looking thing. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like I remember. I don't remember the wrestler who did it, but there was a there was a wrestler in the '80s, I think, that did the that had the claw as kind of one of their moves. Oh, there's a uh, the Von, the Von they use family. Like, yeah, then they use the it like a submission yeah. move. Um, sort of. It was supposed to knock the other wrestler out. I never really saw anybody like tap out or actually submit to it, but it was a a case they would actually lose consciousness. But yeah, the Von Erichs, uh, Baron Von Raschke. Uh, Blackjack Mulligan, Barry Windham was using yep. it for a bit. Um, oh, um, Rene Goulet. There you go, Joylan. There's a name for you. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember for some reason, Rene Goulet, he had it on Siva Afi. You remember that guy? Yeah. And Siva Afi, you know, he had a pretty impressive throw. Yeah, yeah. And, and he had the claw right there, and it was like digging like right into his hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was just it, it oh, was so funny to me. But yeah, this was held up in Detroit mm-hmm. at what the Joe Louis Arena, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. So and there we go. He's drawing power from the urn. And in the meantime, Paul Bearer, he was probably the only person who could get away with this, but he he always referred to the Undertaker. Uh, real name Mark Callis, but he always called him Wendy because of his, his red hair. <laughs> and he also let it slip that the Undertaker apparently has a phobia of cucumbers. Really? Yeah. Oh, you haven't heard about those stories? No, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes 
you know, Paul Bearer, would they be sitting at a bar somewhere when Undertaker wasn't looking? He would drop like a cucumber slice down an Undertaker's drink, and it would go, of course, go all the way into the bottom, and he wouldn't see it to the very end, and he'd be just like, Bleh! <laughs> oh man, yeah, man, he was just deathly afraid. He's deathly afraid of cucumbers. Uh, here we go. You know, one of those close up, one of those close ups. There, it looked like Undertaker's hair is kind of a kickback to the. Uh... To the big hair days of the eighties, there, huh? Uh, oh well, well, you ought to see some of the audience members. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> some some of those uh, they have. There's, I just saw a woman. She had kind of a you know a little bit of the big hair. Um, yeah, here's the whole, well, kind of kicking at this, but yeah, um, yeah, here goes. He's going to kick him, kick him, and then, um, now of course raking the eyes because good guys do that, and nothing. Yeah. And here, here it is, right here, Dwayne, right here. Boom! That lariat. Oh Man, yeah. yeah, love that. And that was one that, that looked kind of like a that looked kind of like a flying lariat. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's what it was. I mean, that's the Undertaker. He could, uh, for a man his size, and he could just he could get in the air and do that move, and he looked like a cruiserweight doing it. Him and Barry Windham were the two they could really nail that lariat. Yes. And that right there was a perfect example of the Undertaker because some of the ones he went against because they were uh, they were big but they were like shorter like because like, Yokozuna obviously Yokozuna was big but he wasn't all that tall and so the Undertaker was getting up high but it was like he was coming down so it didn't look as effective but and here we go hit him with the tombstone huh? hit him with the tombstone and now Hogan is Hogan no, just pops up huh? yep <laughs> no sells it. And now he's doing the the classic Hulk Hogan comeback. He punches him in the head a few times. And in this case, though, Undertaker is not going down. Which yeah, is he's like, like, no, I'm not going to sell for you, buddy. That's not yeah. going to work for me. That's not going to work for <laughs> you, brother. Yeah, Alan, that's a that's a Hogan saying that's been coming out. A lot of not so positive things about Hogan has been coming out in the in the past few years, especially. Mm. Like, like that's why I had to ask. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not Terrence's favorite wrestler now. Yeah. That one, I mean, honestly, it shocked me when I heard about all that. But yeah, I was uh, surprised. But no, here comes here comes Flair. Yeah. yeah see, I remember we were saying, you know, the whole thing about him and Flair. And right. Flair, of course, why Flair comes out in his robe? I mean, that always kind of. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm going to go attack somebody. Let me put let me put my robe on. Let me, yeah, let me put my robe on first. Yeah. And see now he's trying to drag Paul Bear in there, and uh, now going over there. Now why is he punching Flair? Flair didn't do anything to him. Comes up there and and you know in his robe, just dressing nice. Flair, he's probably there's probably some woman out there he's picking up amongst the other ten thousand. Knowing what we know about Flair, it's probably a good thing he did have the robe on. Yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> um, and see that right there was a. Um, I think that was kind of a botch, Dwaylon, because when he and he he dropped him, but then he didn't bounce off the right rope. Now here, here, Alan, here's a point of controversy. Uh, it's been it's controversial to this day. Um, not like wrestling controversy, you know. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Flair held out the steel chair and he and he did the tombstone on that. Uh oh, and I got to I got to turn the sound on for this. New. 
Down this defense, it's just him, him calling, you know, especially when somebody won a title, like, his call just made it seem that much more important. Oh, yeah. So there you go. I'll go ahead and stop the share on that one. But, um, <clears throat> and of course, now it's wanting to start again. <laughs> really? Okay. But, yeah, Alan, um, the controversy on that, because I don't know if you could really tell, but Hogan's head was about what? What about six inches above? Oh, the yeah. Chair. Yeah. It was. Uh, yes. Man. And after the match was over, Hogan laid there. I mean, and he was talking to, you know, basically paramedics come out of here and he was kind of, you know, kind of tell he was kind of motion towards his neck that his neck was hurt. And he claimed for years that the undertaker hurt him in the match in which that's like one of the, I know it sounds weird. It's one of the cardinal sins in wrestling. You do not hurt your opponent. You know, right. you take, right. you take care. And if you're, and if you're reckless or careless, they will find a way for you not to be a wrestler anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, so there is the biggest name in wrestling at the time was claiming that the Undertaker had legitimately hurt his neck because he said he he did that power. He wasn't careful with the power driver. See, Undertaker, he, his his debut the year before, he actually did spike somebody's head into the mat. Uh, a little oh, bit yeah. More, yeah, that was Coco yeah. Beware. I mean, yeah. And you, yeah, that one was bad looking. And and at the WrestleMania, he did the same thing with Jimmy Snooker. Now I don't know if Jimmy Snooker. He got Jimmy Snooker good with it too. Yeah, and I don't know if Snooker had the same reaction Coco did. Coco Beware was wanting to fight Undertaker in the locker room because of it. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and from what well, we I heard, I can understand that though. Oh yeah, and Coco Beware, all what five foot seven, five foot eight, foot eight of him. Yeah, you know, I've heard he's. A, I've heard he was a bad man. <laughs> oh yeah, they said Coco Beware was not someone to mess with. No, and but they finally, you know, they finally got the tensions calmed down. And Undertaker, I mean, he because he was, you know, twenty three years old, twenty two years. You know, he was pretty young and still pretty green in the business. So, uh, and that was a brand new move he was doing. That was his debut. Yeah, and you know, so they they got all all their stuff settled and. You know, of course, now here it is a year later, and Undertaker's thinking, I just hurt the biggest name in the business because the biggest name in the business is claiming that he hurt him. And mm. then he found out years later that Hogan was lying the whole time because when he finally saw the replay and he saw that his head was about six inches mm-hmm. above the chair, yes, and he, and he realized Hogan had been playing him, trying to get sympathy from people. And, try, you know, Hogan kind of being Hogan is what we're now calling it because he's yeah. lied about a lot of things. Mm. Um, well, Hogan, wanted, Hogan wanted to make sure he was still top dog even though he didn't have the belt. He still wanted yes. to make sure that all the focus was on him, so him lying on The Undertaker saying that he hurt him, that way it makes, especially to the office, it's going to make The Undertaker look bad to the office. Yep. Mm-hmm. And because Hogan was one of those um, he doesn't do it as much now just because he's had so much negative come out in the public spotlight that um, I don't, he won't, oh, obviously he'll never be as big as what he was just because of age, but because of the negative publicity, legitimate negative publicity that came out because it was on video what he was saying. Mm-hmm. 
and it was even in the courtroom about that the video itself the video itself was about something else but he just happened to be making some extremely racist comments and and it, and it wasn't even borderline i mean it was he was flat no, out there was it, no yeah there was no yeah there was no oh well maybe he didn't mean it that way no no it was, he it was pretty concrete what he meant uh, i mean he was he was using some old terms Dwayne. i don't know if that's but yeah. best way to put it some uh-huh. terms yeah when i heard those i was like oh my i haven't heard that since my one uncle used to say that all the time you know <laughs> i mean you know just, i mean yeah yeah Dwayne. obviously you know i had i had some family members who were like that <laughs> um you know but um but it would just it shocked everybody because hogan was such this kid's hero and yeah yeah so now uh the aftermath of this particular match of the wrestling aftermath um alan and do you remember watching the match now alan do you remember like uh, piece of yeah, the match I, li- I do yeah because i i do because I, I still remember being shocked that uh that really in that match uh hogan got tombstone twice really you know the mm-hmm. first time though like you said he just popped right up and uh, and didn't sell it or what and whatnot, yeah, but yeah, no sold it. That, that, that they had him actually, yeah, no sold it, but yeah, that that he actually, um, but that the the that he actually got tombstone twice. I remember that, you know, kind of being like, oh, that was kind of crazy because you just you just didn't see that with Hogan right. at, at that time. Yeah, and then and then like we said earlier, the the fact that Undertaker, I know he was relatively new, but still the fact that Undertaker got flipped over the top rope yes he landed on his feet on the apron or down on the down on the floor i guess but he still um still uh, there was just some things there that you didn't see very often so it was kind of like both of right. the both of the wrestlers got to kind of kind of show themselves out a little bit in the match mm-hmm. and i rem- i do remember when we were watching this at your dad's friend's house when you know they were playing poker like in the garage slash den or whatever it was and we were banned yeah. to the to the tv room where they had the satellite dish and yes. of course i mean we were able to watch this so i was happy and y- yes <laughs> but but they kept saying uh, jack tunney the wwf president at the time came out and said you know they're going to be a rematch because rick flair you interfered and this tuesday in texas we're going to have the rematch and i'm thinking you're going to have a, a on a tuesday really in texas and and of course i mean um, we never ordered pay-per-views in my house because it, my mom and my stepdad didn't watch wrestling. They sure as heck weren't going to pay for me to you know, <laughs> watch a pay-per-view. Right. Uh, so I didn't see the This Tuesday in Texas event for years. I mean, it was, um, well, probably about five or six years or so when I happened to catch it on a videotape. It was on something totally different. I ended up having that on VHS, too. But I'll see them home videos. Yes. Yep. Um, yep. I had a bunch of those. And that that particular card on the rematch, and they had, uh, of course, Hogan and Undertaker. Flair comes out again. Only this time, Hogan gets the urn, and he opens it up, and there's ashes inside of it. Uh, and mm. depend, depending on which time they open the urn, it could have been anything. It could have been smoke. It could have been ashes. It could have been like a flashlight. You know, <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, these are the yes. different things they've had inside the urn. Yeah. This particular one, it was ashes. And, of course, Hogan being the the, the consummate baby face, never ever break a rule ever. He was the ultimate bull scout. Yeah, he threw the ashes in the Undertaker's face. And, you know, and I'm thinking, Larry, look, first of all, this is a Tuesday. This is not Ash Wednesday. 
And second of all, this is November, not close to Easter. But yes. anyway, so enough of my bad jokes aside. Uh, but he um, he threw the ashes in Undertaker's face. He did the, the surprise roll up, pinned him, one, two, three. And then well, the referee, of course, didn't see the ashes. However, that one didn't. Jack Tunney had been – he was on at ringside. Flair yeah, propped he, him yeah. Yeah, Flair propped him up so he could see the ashes being thrown. So Jack Tunney automatically stripped Hogan of the title and said, we're going to put the title up at the Royal Rumble in January of 92. And whoever wins that Royal Rumble is going to be the new WWF champion. Which, hint, hint, you know, that may be something that we talk about in, in January. You know, January, yeah, yeah, but it might possibly be. It could be another watch along, you know, could stomp, be. stomp. <laughs> so, yes. Now, now that one will be longer. And Alan, you're more than welcome to join us because I know that one would definitely be a reaction video. Because in January of 1992, I know where you were. You were down in San Antonio. Yes, I was. That is uh, exactly right. Yep, not exactly enjoying life at the time. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't awful, but I wasn't watching any uh, pay-per-view no. wrestling. That's for sure. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, and I will say the one thing, Dwaylon was also going to go in the Air Force, but unfortunately, medical reasons, yeah. he was not able to. Um, yeah, that and was, I, yeah. And I honestly, Sorry, I think, oh, I think Dwaylon absolutely would have excelled in the Air Force. So. Oh, no doubt. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, I had everything, I had everything planned. My mom was going to, you know sign all the papers and all that stuff and then they found out about my back and I was like well no you can't do that <laughs> uh but yeah and I I know I know a little I know this is a little aside but I but I remember that you know because we were all in high school together and, and ran around a lot and stuff but I, I remember that being a little bit of a a little bit of a shock and a little bit of a gut punch you know because we, we had all kind of talked about to some degree doing the military we knew yeah. we maybe wouldn't be together together but still kind of High school, real good high school friends going in and kind of doing the same thing. That was, uh, yeah, yeah, that was kind yeah. of, yeah. Anyway, yeah. And remember, and, and remember, I was actually supposed to go into the Marine Corps. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Thank <laughs> God I did not do that because I'll be honest with you. I, oh wait. Um, Careful I saying that you're gonna get your you're gonna get uh, your Marine watchers a little upset. Um, <laughs> oh, well, that this may include my nephew. I have a nephew who's in, who's in the Marine Corps now. Um, yeah. But I, I honestly, I wouldn't, I would not have been a good Marine, and I'll admit it. Um, because I mean, it's a different mentality, but I mean, I know plenty of people who are Marines who not, wouldn't probably would not have done good in the air force. Yes. No, because I mean, it, it really, is, it's just a different mentality. Same thing with the Navy and the, um, Navy and the army and the coast guard and now space force. And actually yeah. funny thing there out of the seven units I was in, in the air force, uh, four of them are actually now in space force. So more than likely I would have transitioned over. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. So, um, but anyway, back to what we we're talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Alan, th that Royal, this Royal Rumble, uh, Ric Flair won it, and so that's when he really got, you know, the big push. They were uh, pushing him. You know, he he became the WWF World Champion, and he was only the second person, I believe, Dwayland, to ever hold both the NWA and the WWF World Title. I think the first one was actually Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Yes, you're right. Yeah. yeah. But Alan, if if you are able to watch it with us. I will let you know it's over an hour long. 
uh, Rick okay. Flair. Yeah, Rick Flair. He's the third person in, and he and he goes almost wire to wire. And um, it is actually a lot of people consider this one to be the best Royal Rumble ever. Um, mm. it, it's this one. I think two thousand four is another one, Jalen. Which is two thousand four was really good. Um, but yeah. I'd have to put the 92 one is probably still the best one I've ever seen. Yeah, I've, it's, I've it, it's still my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, and then Hogan, he um, he was starting to transition out of wrestling a little bit because they had him in what they should have done at the next WrestleMania, WrestleMania 8 in Indianapolis. They should have had him in Flair for the world title, but they didn't. Yep. Because Vince McMahon was saying it wasn't a draw because Vince McMahon, once again, refused to acknowledge there's other wrestling companies outside of WWF and now WWE. Well, now, oh, he's being forced to acknowledge it again now. Yeah. Well, and they said they they did have some matches on the house show circuit. And according to the top brass, it didn't draw the way that they thought it was going to draw, which makes no sense because you're never going to have a house show draw what you would draw at a WrestleMania. So Right. They, because they don't advertise the house shows. No. They just go from town to town and, you know, people show up if, if they can show up. Now, you book them at a pay-per-view and people are going to pay to go. Yep. And, and pay to watch it. Yeah. Yep. You know, so... Uh, so, Alan, how do you feel now that you've done a, a podcast with us and your first watch along? And uh, oh, this is this is neat. It's uh, it's a uh, it's neat seeing that again and getting some of those memories back. It's also great hanging out with you two. I know it's virtual, but it's uh, it's been way too long since the three of us have done something like this. <laughs> yes, it has absolutely. Um, yeah, because I get to think, and I think the last time the three of us were able were actually together in the same place at the same time was alan when you you were were you were on leave between tech school down at keesler and when you went to your first duty station up in boston yeah and i think i, think I, so. was, I, I was riding with you and we actually went over to dwayland's uh house yeah you know, or yes. the, the apartment that you lived i think it was a fourth street yeah yeah yep yeah and i said hey Dwayne, come on down you're supposed to see you and he went in there and there was alan standing there yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, but I was there thinking that I think that was the last time the three of us were actually uh together because it's been like very hit or miss. Um because now none of us even live in Hopkinsville anymore. So that right. <laughs> uh, yes. no I have no plans to ever go back. So Yeah. Um <laughs> of course the way Hopkinsville, you know, this is kind of a sidebar. I don't know if you ever looked at a map. Hopkinsville, the way the borders keep moving, it may actually meet you instead. You know, yeah. Have you seen the way? Yeah. I mean, because every time they build a store outside the city limits because of tax reasons, they expand the border. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Just, yeah. And and Carter's, Carter's no longer mayor. So, you know, it's not like we can say, hey, Carter, you know, we got some ideas. No. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so anyway, gentlemen, uh, Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Glad we're yeah, able to we do this. It, it was good talking to you. Uh, no. Yeah, you too, Joellen, and you, Steve, and thank y'all for inviting me and thinking about it. I, this has been a this has been a real blast. I've I've enjoyed it. Thank y'all. Yep, yep. And so, um, I will go ahead and 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 stop the recording. And yeah, just hang hang out for a bit. We'll we'll tell you some other stuff uh, that'll be going on. And 
So, gentlemen and everybody else, thank you for listening to us, and God bless. God bless, y'all.